0: Thanks so much for joining us. I want to say a quick hello to all of our campuses. Thanks for being a part of our services. Let's also give it up for our God Behind Bars, men and women. Thank you for being a part of our services as well. You guys have a good Thanksgiving. Anybody have a good Thanksgiving? I I did. I I ate. How many of you guys ate way too much? Anyone? Yes, I see that hand. That's why I'm wearing my maternity pants today. And so... (laughs) Totally understand where you're coming from, and so it was a great time. Had a great time with the in-laws and the outlaws as well, and so great to have you guys here. Thanks for joining us this Thanksgiving weekend, and so, and I also want to say hello to all those who are watching online. Thanks for being a part of our services as well. Today's message I'm very excited about. We're continuing our series on the Beatitudes. Uh, Some people say they're the be happy attitudes, the the way that we can actually be happy in a world that seems to have gone mad. You can still be happy, and so that's what the attitudes that Jesus taught at the Sermon on the Mount we're all about. Today's message is called, Let Your Faith Flow. Before we dive in though, let's say our mission statement together. What are we here to do as a church? We're here to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die, period. That's what we're all about here at Church Unlimited. Thank you for coming out. Even with COVID spiking, we are doing great. And in our attendance, I wanna say thank you for those of you who are here at all of our campuses. Also those of you who are watching online, we're glad you're with us too. Thank you for that. We appreciate that. Last week, we talked about uh, how blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness or doing the right thing. And last week, we did something pretty cool. Uh, We decided to have an Uber Eats driver come and bring me something, middle service. They didn't know what was going on. And then we collected, before they got here, a huge uh, tip to give them. And I want to show you, in case you missed it, what happened. Check this out. Isn't that great? (laughs) so fun to be a part of that. And... uh, Later on, I heard that uh, the last Uber driver we had at the 1130, um, actually he was in Target with his wife, shopping and he got a text on his phone that there was someone that needed him and he wanted to turn it down, but his wife said, honey, we could really use the money right now. So he left her in Target, jumped in his car to go make one more run, ended up here. Can you imagine when he walked back into Target with his wife with a bag full of $2,500? How great is that? I love that. So it's amazing. So everyone in the room was like, I am driving for Uber from now on. So, so cool to see what God can do. And I, I love how uh, it's amazing what God can do when we just give him the glory for it, you know? And so it was for him. And so we're, we're glad that we were able to do that. So today's message is a challenge. I'm not going to lie. This message is going to challenge you to your core because all of us find ourselves on one side or the other of this issue uh, about God's law and God's grace. And actually involves both. I love the balance that Jesus gives us in this teaching. And so the scriptures for today that we're talking on the two beatitudes we're going to be discussing are first of all, blessed are the merciful, and also blessed are the pure in heart. And so blessed are the merciful is a challenge for those of you who are what I would call high justice people. You're like, but wait a minute, I don't have to be merciful towards people who are wrong. I mean, they're wrong. You're telling me to show them mercy, but but they are wrong. Or how about this? You're, showing me, you're asking me to show mercy to someone when even if I were to forgive them, they'll do something again tomorrow stupid and I'll be mad again. So you're asking me to show mercy towards someone who doesn't deserve it? No, I'm not asking you to. Jesus is. Because Jesus showed mercy to us when we don't deserve it. And so he says, blessed are the merciful for they themselves will also receive mercy. And I don't know about you, but I could use some mercy in my life. And so we need to be merciful towards others. And so what does the scripture mean? Number one, it means to forgive and have faith in others as God has forgiven you. So it's one thing to forgive someone, but then to have faith in them still. You may say, well, okay, hold on. Now, I don't have to believe in them still if they've blown it, if they've done something stupid. Actually, God wants us to still have faith in people, even if they've disappointed us. It doesn't mean you have to trust everyone. We're not suggesting that someone robs you, you know, that you forgive them, yes, but it doesn't mean you open your home to them again. It doesn't mean you give them a key to the house. So we're not suggesting you have to trust people who are untrustworthy, but God does say to forgive someone and to forgive them again and and to show mercy towards them and then to have faith in people still. So what does that mean for you and me? Well, first of all, before you say, well, okay, it's one thing to forgive someone, but you're asking me to have faith in them. Well, actually God forgave us and he still has faith in us. Think about that. He entrusted the salvation of the world to us, his church. <laughs> and he knows everything we've done and he still trusts us. Think about that. He knows how much of a screw up we are. And yet he says, I want the salvation of mankind to be in your hands, my people, to go tell one about it. We're like, God, do you know the stuff I did last week? Do you know what I did last month or last year? You, you're, you're, you're trusting me? God's like, yep, I've forgiven you for all that and I, I trust you. You see, when Christ went to the cross, he paid the price for all of, of our sins, all of them. And so he, he says, I forgive you and now I'm gonna entrust you with a plan that I have for your life. So we are to take that same forgiveness we've been given and to forgive other people, which is hard to do. I understand forgiveness is the real F word. It really is, it's not easy to forgive people. It's frustrating. We, we, we get mad. We want to get ticked off. Are you kidding me? You don't know what they've done? I, I don't, but God does. And he says, "Be merciful towards him, because, because he says, "I am merciful towards you." Scripture goes on in Matthew chapter six, it puts it this way: "If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you, but if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins." Wow. It's pretty strong. God's like, I'm going to have an issue. If I'm flowing my grace to you, you are not supposed to be a reservoir of grace. You're supposed to be a river of grace, which means it flows to you so it can flow through you to forgive others as I have forgiven you. Now, another scripture says in Romans chapter 14, pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. We're supposed to build each other up. But if we're still harboring anger towards what someone's done, how can we build them up? This means we're supposed to believe in people still, even when they have blown it. In other words, God lets you grow. God lets you be different today than you were a few years ago. Why are we not willing to let other people grow as well? You're not the same person. Even Jesus said, a prophet's without honor in his hometown. He's like, they still see me as little Jesus the carpenter's kid when I'm actually you know, here, I'm the Messiah, and, and they don't see it. And so could it be that we, we don't want people to still see us, you and know, your 20s, 30s, or 40s. You don't want people to still see you like you're in junior, higher, high school because you're you're different now. I, I I hope you are. You've changed. You've grown. So you want people to let you grow, right? Well, why don't we let people grow as well? Maybe they blew it last year, but maybe they recognize it and they're ready to make some changes. And so we forgive them and and let them grow and and still believe in in people. Maybe even holding some belief back. He said, "Well, they don't deserve it. We don't deserve it. None of us do. We all need." God's grace desperately. The Bible is very clear. It says, There's no one righteous, no, not one. None of us have it all together. So how can we be judging and limiting the grace of God on other people when God has not judged us, but instead sent his son to pay the price for, for our sins? This is really hard for those of you who are high justice. You're like, you're like, this is the person who's always quick to say, but God's a God of justice. He is a God of justice. That's true but it doesn't mean he doesn't bring grace. He fulfilled the justice of God by sending his son. It's like God was was the the high priest, the, the, the one who judges all, right? He's in the big royal robe in the courtroom and he pounds the gavel and says, guilty, and he points at you and me. Then he gets up, takes off the robe and puts on the clothes of Christ and comes and dies on the cross for us and stands next to us and says, now I will go take the punishment for your guilty sin. Isn't that amazing? And so this is where the justice of God meets the grace of God. Or as it says in Isaiah chapter 11, it says the lion, the, the justice of God, lays down with the lamb the grace of God. Isn't that amazing? And so if, if Christ fulfilled uh, the, the pain of our sin, he also fulfilled the pain of someone else's sin towards you. He paid the price for that too. So it can be very tough. I understand for those of you who are like, oh, this is really, you understand. I mean, you're asking me just to let them go? I, I am, because actually, if you let them go, you realize that the person you're actually letting go is, is you. You're letting yourself go. And so, and if you're waiting for the day for them to come back and say they're sorry before you forgive them, you may be waiting a long time. I just, I just need to tell you right now, they're probably not coming. I, I know you're expecting your ex to stop by any time now and say, you know, I see the error of my ways. <laughs> I just think that may be a while. It may not be on this side of eternity. The person who fired you is probably not going to come to you and say, I was wrong. You know, I didn't see it. the person who betrayed you. That's probably not going to happen. So if you're waiting for that day, to, well, I'll forgive them when, when, you know, when they deserve it. Well, God forgave us so we didn't deserve it. So we have to forgive other people. It's actually a very simple principle. It's just hard to apply, isn't it? I mean, we understand this truth, but it's one thing to understand it. It's another thing to actually do it. And so sometimes you just have to pray, God, please give me the strength to forgive this person. It's, it's not easy to do it. I understand. But give me the strength, Lord, to forgive this person for what they've done to me or done to others or, or whatnot. And so we have to be willing to forgive. By the way, next week, especially the, the next week is especially for those who feel like life has been unfair to you. Next week's message is called, But God, This Isn't Fair. We're going to unpack something that the Bible teaches that's profound about when you are being treated unfairly. How is it possible to be happy in an unfair world? I hope so because the world is unfair and that's not changing. And so you have to learn to be happy anyways. And so God wants to show you that through the scripture next week. be sure to be here as we unpack that blessed are those who are persecuted and blessed are the peacemakers. Peace does not mean everything is made Right? You can have peace without the world being made right. So be sure to be here next week as we unpack that. Now, the next scripture is also a tough one to swallow. It says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Now, for those of you who say, well, you know, God's a God of grace. He is a God of grace. It's true. He's also God of justice. We just talked about that. So the justice of God is real, but we are to be merciful towards those who need it, and we need it ourselves. The grace of God is also real, but it doesn't mean that our purity or our holiness doesn't matter. It does. And so this is where the two meet. I love the balance that Jesus shows us here. So for those of you who are saying, yeah, you need to be pure. You need to be right. You need to be holy. And if you're not, then don't expect God to do anything in your life. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says be merciful because none of us are perfect. We all have sin. All of us have, have, have sinned and fall short, short of God's glory. So what does it mean to be pure in heart then, for they will see God? What does that mean? It means if you want God to move in your life in a powerful way, you need to be pure in your heart. Pure in your heart does not mean perfect in your heart. Don't confuse it. Jesus never says be perfect. He, he doesn't. In fact, the truth is you and I are not perfect. We're being perfected. Amen. So God is not through with you. If you don't like me now, come back next week. I'll be a little better, I promise. God's perfecting me. I'm not quite there yet. In fact, one day we'll stand before God and he is the great judge and he will say, you know, you have sinned and here's your list of sins and my list is long like yours and whoa, man, you know, it's gonna be pretty bad. But actually that's not gonna happen. He's not gonna list off those because then Jesus steps up as our advocate, as our lawyer, he steps up and he says, hold on, before you get into Bill's sins, I want to say I died on the cross, he received me, and so he is covered. So Jesus will declare us perfect in the sight of God because of what Christ has done. Think about that. One day you'll stand before God because you got to be perfect to get in heaven. I don't know if you knew that. You had to have no sin or have received the one who has no sin. Amen. So that's where Christ comes in. So he will declare me perfect. I just want my wife somewhere near me when Jesus declares <laughs> me perfect. He will declare us perfect in the sight of God, but it's because of what Christ did for us, right? And so he declares us perfect, then we get to go into heaven based upon Christ's track record, not based upon ours. And so, but this is important to understand, this blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Again, God forgives us of our sin, but it doesn't mean he he can't, he works through a clean vessel, not a perfect vessel, but a clean vessel. He wants to do his grace work through you and I, so we have to be pure in heart. So what does pure in heart mean? It means that we are free of Greed, lust, anger, envy, malice, gossip, you you name it. Free of the world, the things that that the world values. And you may say, well, pastor, I'm not free of those things. That's really hard. The truth is, is that we are being freed daily. Or you may say, I struggle daily. There's another way to look at that. When you go to God and you ask forgiveness, you're freed daily. So we are being renewed. And so David, uh, well, we'll get to David in a second. Let me give you a couple more verses real quick before we do that. Look at Ephesians chapter 5. It says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. So the Bible's pretty clear about don't get drunk with wine. Okay, Pastor, you know, I know you're not supposed to get drunk. Uh, but the Bible also says be sober-minded. You say, again, same thing, right? Actually, it's not. To be sober-minded doesn't just mean alcohol can, can make you drunk, and it can, clearly. But there's other things that can make you drunk as well. Scripture says in 1 Peter 5, it says, be alert and of sober mind. 1 Peter 1 and 1 Peter 5 both say that this is the beginning of the, of the letter and the end of the letter. Peter wrote this letter to what is called the dispersed church. Dispersed means that they weren't gathered, they were scattered. So today, it's Sunday, we are gathered to hear God's word. But Monday, we will not be gathered. You'll be scattered at your jobs or whatever it is you do during the week. And so that letter was written toward the scattered and so, because the church used to all be unified in, in Jerusalem and then they went through some persecution which spread them out all over the world because they had the, many of them run for their lives. They were being killed for their faith and, and so they were dispersed everywhere. And because of that persecution, the gospel also spread all over the world. That may be a little hint on what we're talking about next week that how persecution has, has a purpose. Be sure to be here next week as we talk about that, that God will use that pain, that persecution to do great things in your, in your life. But this letter is written to the scattered church, okay? And Peter says to those of you who are not gathered with other Christians at this moment, he says this, hey, be alert and of sober mind. And he says it twice. In the Bible, in the Greek language, anytime something is said twice in the English language, it would be the equivalent of an exclamation point. So it's at the beginning of the chapter, hey, be alert and of sober mind. What's he saying? He's saying, hey, right here, be alert, pay attention. Be sober. Then at the very end, hey, 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 hey don't forget. Be sober," he says it twice. Well, must be a big deal then for him to mention this this twice to to be of sober minded. What, what does that mean? Our hearts are impure because we're drunk. <laughs> we're drunk on different things, and you may say, "Well, Pastor, I don't have a drinking problem. Great. That, then then maybe that's not where you're drunk. But we get drunk in other areas. So today at Church Unlimited we have an open bar, and. Uh, For those of you who get offended by that, just everybody just relax. I'm not going to wrinkle your pharisaical robes. This is not real alcohol. Everybody just chill, okay? But I'm trying to prove a point here. You see, we want God to use us and we want God to fill us, but God wants to use a clean glass just like you would never grab a dirty glass, would you? No, I mean, if you want God to use you, he's going to pour into a clean vessel. You, you, You probably would also set aside a vessel that's dirty. It's not that... Not saying this, that this has no purpose, that God can't do something new, but we need to be renewed, cleaned up, so God can fill us and do great things in us, correct? So what do we end up getting filled up with? Well, we fill up with all kinds of things today. Maybe for you, you're so mad at someone that it's hard for God to fill you because you keep rehearsing what they said, rehearsing what they did again and again. You ever found yourself talking in the shower to someone that's not there? I'm tell you know I tell them I would say this to them. Let me tell you this: is what I tell, them. they're not even there. Thank God you're in the shower. That'd be really embarrassing if they were there. I mean, and you're rehearsing what they said and what you'd say back. That means we're 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 actually drunk. We're drunk on anger, on what someone someone did to us. Maybe you're saying, oh that that's not my thing. Or maybe for you you just constantly are on social media all the time. You ever notice that you can just keep on scrolling and it just never stops. It's almost like they want to just keep you on it all day long, all day long. It's almost like they get paid for how long you're on. Oh, yeah, they they do, don't they? You see, you're the product. I don't know if you knew that, but they're actually selling your attention. So they just want to keep you pouring and pouring and consuming and consuming and reacting and reacting all day long. Now, how can you hear from God if you never break away from hearing from everyone else? So we end up just consuming constantly. Maybe for you, you're just being entertained to death. You just never turn it off. There's nothing wrong with entertainment, but it's for a season, for a moment. It's, you know, it's like five seconds in and the next one starts. Four, three, oh, I might as well just keep sitting here and, and we just keep taking more and more. And one day we're gonna stand before God and say, what'd you do with my son? What'd you do with the life I gave you? And you can say, oh, I watched some amazing shows, God. You're like, have you seen The Crown, right? Oh, it's so good. You love it. You should check that out. And we just keep consuming and consuming. Oh, have you seen Love is Blind? That guy was such an idiot. I mean, he was just totally distracted. He didn't get it. And Jesus is like, no, you don't get it. You're distracted. You're blind to all that I want to do in your life. But you kept filling up with stuff of the world. You never got to what I had for you. God has so much much for us. Maybe for you, you're like, no, I'm going to focus on what matters. You know, I'm going to make sure that we get things straight. We need to make sure we're taken care of and going in the right direction. And, and the truth is, is that I don't care who your favorite politician is, they will disappoint you because they're no Jesus. So maybe for you, you're consumed with getting your person in office and your perspective and your angle. And, and so we just keep consuming it. And There's a place for this, and I'm not trying to say that God maybe have not spoken to you about being involved in the public square, and I think that's great. We should absolutely take our place and let our voices be heard, but it doesn't mean that this is what we're about. We're Christ followers before we are Republicans or Democrats. I don't know what it is for you, but maybe for you it's just some other kind of pleasure. I'm not sure which one is for you, but just pick your pleasure. We all have a few we like, and we just tend to keep consuming and consuming and consuming, and it actually takes our hearts away from Christ over time. Pleasure is not a bad thing. God gave us pleasure, but pleasure can go wrong when it's not done God's way. So we just consume and consume and consume. And the whole time we had all this to offer, but there is one thing that if you will just drink up, it will fulfill you. There's one who will fill you and satisfy you, only one. The Spirit of God wants to satisfy your soul. But you have to break away from what you've been drinking. It takes time to get sober, doesn't it? It's not just, well, I quit drinking five minutes ago. I'm sure I'm sober. No, that's going to take a little while to get out of your system. If you'll pull away long enough and let God fill you, you'll begin to see things clearly. It's time to let God fill you. God has... God has so many things He wants to say to you. Hey, hey, hey! Wake up. Be alert. Be of sober mind. He has so many things He wants to say to you. Things He wants to do through you. David put it this way. He said, "Create in me a pure heart, God, and make my spirit right again." Another translation says, "Renew my spirit." What does it mean? Basically, David was saying, ah, oh, got a bad thought again. God, renew me. Oh, Lord, I just there I go again, lusting. There I go again, being greedy. There I go again, being envious. Lord, there I go again, being angry. Lord, just please renew me again. I love David's Psalms because he's so honest. Like at one point, David says in the Psalms, he says, God, kill all my enemies. I love that prayer, don't you? How many of you guys will agree with that prayer? Yes, Lord, kill my enemies. <laughs> I love that prayer. Aren't you glad actually that God doesn't answer that prayer? Because that means your enemy could pray that about you. And so he he actually says early on in several psalms, kill all my enemies, destroy them, spite them, get rid of them. But then by the end of that same psalm, he's like, But I know you're a loving, compassionate, gracious God, so whatever, you know. <laughs> so he starts off angry, just kill them all, Lord. Just kill them. But by the end of it, God begins to work on his heart. God is literally renewing him as he's writing. I love that. If you just give God a little time, in other words, I'm I'm encouraging you, go to God with your bad attitude. Even if you say, well, don't you get my heart right? Then I'll go to God. no, go to God, then he'll get your heart right. Quit trying to get cleaned up before you take a shower. The shower cleans you up. Get in the presence of God and he will clean you. And so just go to him even with a bad attitude. Even in your anger, just get frustrated. Oh, I'm so mad, God. That's okay, just tell him. And he will begin to take your anger and lead it to brokenness and lead it to joy. It's a process. Create in me a clean heart, God. Renew a right spirit within me. You ever been frustrated and you feel like God's not there? Anyone know what I'm talking about? You're so mad at someone who hurts you, and you're like, oh, God, I just need you to help me, but oh, but it's like he's silent. <laughs> it's like... I really need you to come through right now, God, because I'm really ticked off and I want to go off on someone and I feel like you're not talking to me at all. You ever felt like that? Anyone know I'm talking about? You ever been in the middle of a lustful moment and you're like, God, I could really use you right now because I really want to watch this program and it's not appropriate and I really, oh, Lord, help me right now. I'm just not in a good spot. Or, Or maybe you're just envious and you just find yourself so wanting what other people have and you're like, oh, I just really, oh, God, I really, and you feel like God is not there. You ever just felt you've been in need and just God wasn't there? Don't you know that the teacher's always silent during the middle of the test? It's not that God's not there. He's, he's, he's watching to see, how are we doing? So God will let moments happen to see when that temptation comes, when that test comes, are we better than we were a year ago? Are we renewing ourselves? Are we, are we different? So God allows that time. He'll go silent, not because he's not there. He wants your character to be revealed so you know what to go back to him with and say, well, Lord, I did okay on that or I really blew it. I need to work on that, God. And then God will give you another chance to try again to get it right because God's a God of second chances. Created me a clean heart, God, a pure heart. Renew a right spirit within me. Help me to to get this right the next time. And David is the guy who who God said, You're a man after my own heart. David's also the same guy who also cheated on his wives with Bathsheba. Same guy. So you said, Well, how could God use him? I mean, he was a sinner. I mean, well, we're all sinners. The, The secret to David's life was not that he was pure. No, the secret to David's life is that he was quick to repent, he was honest and he repented quickly when he was when it was pointed out that he was wrong he humbled himself so if you're if you're thinking well god can't use me cuz i'm messed up and well we're all messed up david was too but god renewed him and then used him to do powerful things some of you are frustrated by this message about pure heart. You're like, you yeah, know, that really cramps my lifestyle, Pastor. I mean, I mean you're telling me i got to be some kind of monk and this puts all kind of limits on my life. If I have to live pure, there's certain things I can't watch, places I can't go, people can't be with, things I can't do. I mean, that's really going to cramp my style. Do you think David had a cramped lifestyle in his castle, running a nation with his armies? Does that sound limited to you? God's not trying to limit you. But God wants to do great things to you, but he needs a a clean vessel to do that. He's not trying to mess up your fun. He's trying to bless you. Job also knew what it was like to have a heart that wasn't pure before God. Some of you say, well, hold on. I thought Job was the most righteous man in the world. He was for a season, but then he got angry with God because God seemingly took it all. Remember, the devil went to God and said, hey, uh, God, let's look at your your servant Job. And, And God said, yeah, isn't he great? Look at him, man, honoring me with his life and his thoughts, and he's just, he's the real deal. And, and Satan said, well, yeah, he is. I mean, because you put a hedge of protection around him, because nothing goes wrong with his life. I mean, sure, it's easy to follow you when life is good. And God was like, okay, I see your point. And De- the devil's like, come on, just let me take a crack at him. Let's just see who he is then. God's like, okay. So God allowed the devil to, to make, make a swing, take a swing at, at Job, and he did, and he hit him hard. And Job lost his whole family, eventually lost his wife. He eventually lost all of his earnings. He lost everything. He lost his health. He got frustrated, got angry with God. And you think, well, how could he get angry with God if he had everything? Well, he did have it all, but then he lost it all. So he's very angry. And I think the reason why Job got mad, you study the scripture on this, is because he was mad because he thought God signed the contract with him. He, he thought there was a contract somewhere that said, I love you, God, so therefore everything will go good in my life. I wonder if any of you have fallen for that same contract that doesn't exist. Could it be that you're mad because you're like, life did not turn out like I thought it was going to, and God, I thought that you were always going to come through for me, everything was always going to work out, and I wouldn't have any problems, and this is a big mess, and God, I can't believe you let this happen. And so we're mad. We've let the impurity of our frustrations towards God, like, Lord, I can't believe you let this happen, but God never promised you, no one in scripture does it say if you love the Lord, you'll have no problems. If you love the Lord, everything will always work out. It doesn't say that. So could be we could we be mad at God because of an unwritten contract we have in our mind that He never agreed to? He never said you're not going to have problems. In fact, actually, he said, in this life you will have problems, but I have come to overcome the world. Basically, he says, I'm going to be with you through your problems. You know, I didn't promise you weren't going to have problems. He never takes away your problems. He is with you through them. He's guiding you through those. And so Job finally has this turning point in his own heart. This is what he says in Job 42, verse 6. I will change my heart in life. I will sit in the dust and ashes. Basically, he says, I will admit I'm a broken man. I need you, God. I will humble myself and realize that I don't deserve all these great blessings from you. I'm just grateful for you. Another verse, he says, though he slay me, I will bless him. He says, God, with whatever comes next my way, no matter how good or bad, I'm going to worship you anyways. That's the right heart God God wants us to have. And then guess what God did after that? He blessed him. Look at verse 10. After Job had prayed for his friends. What what does that mean? See, the, the deceitful heart, the sinful heart, the dirty heart, the dirty vessel is focused on ourselves. But the pure heart the right spirit that God wants us to have is focused on others. So look what it says in verse 10. After Job had prayed for his friends, when he got his eyes off himself and began to concern himself for other people, then Job prayed for his friends. The Lord gave him success again. The Lord gave Job twice as much as he had owned before. Scripture tells us that God will give you more. He will bless you more in your latter years than your former years if you will simply focus on having a right heart. He will bless you. It says in Job 42, 12, the Lord blessed the last part of Job's life even more than the first part. Maybe someone needs to know today that God wants to bless you even more than in your first part of your life if you will simply get your heart right with God. Can God trust you? The real challenge in life is not hard times, it's actually good times. Can God trust you with bad times or with good times? Do you still trust the Lord either way? Some of you are like, oh God, please bless me. And God's like, well, let's look at your heart. Oh, come on, Lord, just I want to be the head of the whole department. And the Lord's like, you can't even get your heart right with one coworker, and yet you want to lead the whole department. <laughs> let's talk about your heart. Where is your spirit? Are you are are you always angry and envious and frustrated people and, and, and uncaring, or you're, you're you're holding back mercy when they need mercy because you need it too? I mean, where's your heart? I want to do great things to you, but I have to have a pure heart to operate. God wants that from all of us. So number two, ask God to purify your heart and your mind so that God can do great things in your life. You may be high justice, you need to give mercy to people. You may be high grace, you still need to live pure. It's not one or the other, it's both. You tell me which one you favor and I'll tell you which one you need to work on. You know, the older I get, the more I realize that as a, as a Christian, as an older Christian, not just older in age, but older in, in, in walking with God, the longer I go with God, the more I realize that I tend to, as an older Christian, take sin very seriously, but not take God very seriously, the move of God. And when I was a younger Christian, I took the move of God very seriously. I didn't take sin very seriously. But if God can get us to take him and his law seriously, both, oh, what he could do through us. What he could do through us if we would take God Seriously, when he moves and the Spirit of God moves, and also sin seriously. It'd be amazing because we we'll keep disqualifying ourselves. Those who take God seriously, it's a great move of God, and then we have a flat. Oh, we we're going so fast, it was great, and then, because oh, we weren't taking sin seriously. Or we're real careful to walk with God and to honor him and be pure, but then when the Spirit begins to move, we go, whoa, 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 what's all this? We need to take God seriously and sin seriously, then he can do. Great things through us. I want to circle back to the first part of the scripture that I I talked about. Blessed are the merciful. Because I want to just say this to you and I really believe this is a moment. I want to kind of enter into a ministry moment if I can right now. I want to kind of step out of preaching. I just want to talk to you right now. This is your pastor. I have found that the most unmerciful, cold-hearted you will ever be will be towards yourself. We are so hard on ourselves. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. I just want you to hear this loud and clear. I want to just speak to you if I can for a moment. I don't know what you did last week, last month, or last year, but God has forgiven you. Scriptures say in Lamentations 3, his mercies are new every morning, which means that whatever you did, his mercies already covered it And so I just want to help you know something. I want you to get this in your spirit, that you need to have a sober mind. And a sober mind means that you live in truth. And the truth is that you are totally and completely and 100% forgiven and made new in Christ, which means your next season is better than your last season. God is giving you a new day today. I want you to receive that. I want you to know this. God forgives you, so forgive yourself. And God believes in you, so believe in yourself. He wants you to believe in yourself. What's amazing is that we can believe in God. What's even more amazing is that God believes in us, is that he does believe in you. Lamentations 3 says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. He never quits loving you, no matter what you've done. He never quits loving you. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And I want to close with the scripture. Proverbs 24, 16 says, for the righteous falls seven times and rises again. God wants you to know his mercy extends to you today and you may have fallen, but you can get up again because our savior specializes in resurrections, which means it's time for you to get up again and believe in yourself because God is not through with you. Someone needs to receive that right now, but lift their hand high and say, God, I thank you that you still believe in me. I thank you that you have a future for me right now. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes and just lift that hand high and say, God, I thank you that you, you still believe in me. I thank you, God, because I need to know that. I need to know that I'm still forgiven, that, I, that, that, that you can renew me, Lord. I don't have to live in this anger, Lord. You can, you can remove that. I don't have to live in this shame of me once again letting you down, God. I thank you that you, you don't see me that way. You see me through eyes of grace and forgiveness. I thank you, Lord, that you put your Jesus goggles on. You, you, you see me through these rose-colored glasses. You just see someone who's forgiven and made new, and I thank you for that because I need it, God. Maybe for you, this is a hard message, and you say, God, I don't want to forgive. them. Don't, they don't deserve it. God says, you know what? You didn't deserve it, and I forgave you. Or maybe for you today, you say, God, I don't, I don't have a pure heart. Then the answer to a pure heart is simply acknowledge it and let God clean you out. Let God renew you. Don't throw the glass away. Just, just allow it to be cleaned. You're not done. There's still purpose in you. He doesn't throw the glass away. He simply cleans it out. You know what cleans glasses better than anything? Fresh running water. Let his spirit just fill you and renew you again and again and again. God forgives you and believes in you. It's time for you to believe in you as well. Your head bowed and your eyes closed. You never received Christ as your Lord and your Savior. Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for our sins. Then he rose again from the grave, proving that he's God. Now he waits for you and me to individually receive him. You can pray and receive him right now. Just pray this prayer out loud with me right now. You can just say this out loud. You can just say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for my sin, and I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart, be my Lord, and be my Savior. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In your name we pray. Amen. Ain't God good? His word is so true.